When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Today we are reacting to the long-awaited Baker Mayfield podcast. Uh, so we talked through what we heard, if anything surprised us, what stood out to us, why did he do it? Uh, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ashley Bastock, Doug Maurice, and I get into all of that. As you know, this is when I tell you about Football Insider. The draft is getting really close. You've got to be a subscriber before that comes. Uh, Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. You get a newsletter delivered to your inbox every day. You get to become one of our text subscribers. You get access to exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns. Again, just go to Cleveland.com slash Browns, click the blue banner, get subscribed. We'd love to have you as a Football Insider. Okay, now our podcast about that Baker Mayfield podcast. All right, here we go on our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, a podcast reacting to a podcast. But uh, when it's Baker Mayfield, we got to talk about it. Uh, He went on the YNK, you know what I mean, podcast that finally released uh, today. We're recording this on Wednesday. I joked with Mary Kay earlier this week, it released like two podcasts a month. So so we kind of felt like maybe this was going to be the time that it that it would drop. And man, it must be nice to sit around and record two podcasts a month and everybody listens to it because it's Baker Mayfield. All of that aside, it was about an hour and a half long. I I, I don't know how much you guys all found relevant from it, but I guess let's just start here. I, I mean, Mary Kay, your headline was about Baker Mayfield saying he felt disrespected. I guess just what, what was running through your mind while you were listening to it? What was your reaction to it? Just, I, I guess, what was your main takeaway here as, as you listen to that 90 minutes? Well, you know, I, I felt like I wanted to, and I, I will in writing also explain a little bit about where the disconnect came from between Baker Mayfield and the Browns front office. Now, we all heard Andrew Barry say to us uh, that they fully expect Baker Mayfield to be their starter for 2022. That was the the public thing that they said. And then at the combine, and I wrote about this there, they sat down with Baker Mayfield's agent and they basically told him the same thing. We fully expect Baker Mayfield to be the starter. However, and there was a caveat, we will explore every opportunity. And I've been writing that in every single story all the way back from the minute. And we did a whole series on what could they possibly do if they didn't have Baker. Um, But uh, you know, the, the clear message was we will explore any opportunity to upgrade, but it wasn't going to just be any upgrade. It was going to have to be Russell Wilson, who they looked into and pursued. Uh, it was going to have to be Deshaun Watson, who they didn't think they were going to get. They didn't even know if he was going to be indicted at that point. Uh, so they were not going to try to upgrade for a Mitch Trubisky. I mean, they didn't consider that an upgrade. And they were not going to go after a Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. So if they were going to do it, it was going to be one of those guys. And I don't think they really felt that they were going to pull it off. So I do think that that was the messaging. You know, they, they felt that they were being candid and open. uh, But, but the way that Tom Mills and Baker heard it was, we fully expect him to be the quarterback in 2022. 
Andrew had the parenthetical phrase, but we will also try to get one of these elite quarterbacks if we can. So I think that's where the disconnect was. I mean, just, just again, generally for, for any of you who have some thoughts on, on what you heard, if it's that specific or, or anything like that, and then we can explore some of these things. I mean, Doug, when, when you listened, what did you think? I didn't listen to it. I just came on <laughs> I here love it. and uh, my podcast no, Doug, is, don't, don't is live reacting to your podcast. So you listen to the podcast then I'm going to listen to you guys podcast. And then I'm going to have my own mini podcast within this podcast reacting to your podcast about the podcast. Okay. I am intrigued by the idea of a professional athlete having his feelings hurt. So that's what I just read Twitter. Uh, Twitter's the real life. Uh, They told me what it, what it said. (laughs) So that intrigues me. And I'll be curious to see what you guys have to say about that. And I'll be reacting to that shortly. Well, then Ashley, who has already said that she's going to boo me at work. This I evening. will. Um, I'm something else we can, we can get into. But, I yeah. mean, what did you think? I'm going to boo Dan and see if he crumbles, first of all, because <laughs> that will. is the direct quote from the podcast, which also is a plot to a Seinfeld episode, which I do reference in tomorrow's newsletter that I'm currently <laughs> writing. But yeah, like the thing about Doug, what Doug just brought up here about Baker getting his feelings hurt, that is kind of like always been an underlying concern of mine this year and like we've talked about it multiple different ways like when Baker Mayfield didn't come out and do the press conference after the Lions game when he talked about the fans booing him when we know he kind of had rabbit ears on social media he kind of confirmed all of that in this interview for me and that was the interesting part of it and he did admit he thinks he needs to be better with that now obviously The point is moot with that in Cleveland, but he still was kind of taking these subtle digs, if you will, when he can, like when he talked about feeling disrespected later on, there's an interesting quote that Dan, I know you cut and posted on Twitter um, about the locker room and what coaches responsibilities are to create locker room chemistry. And he hopes he goes somewhere where that is understood, I believe was the quote. So he's saying he learned all this stuff, but I'm like, "Mm, did you really like, have you really been staying off social media? Because obviously we got that letter from him the day after the Browns interviewed Deshaun Watson the first time. And if he doesn't post that, you know, who knows what ultimately happens with that, which has been a discussion before. So overall, like my overarching feeling was Baker says one thing that he's learned, he's grown, but I'm like, has he really? And I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I think Ashley, you're kind of going down a a road. I I was thinking too, Scott, what did you think? I was mostly confused, um, <laughs> confused why I was listening to this, confused why he was doing it. I mean, which I, I mean, other than like, this is a question I always ask myself whenever Hugh Jackson talks is why is he doing this? Um, and we know why Hugh does it. He wants to, you know, he wants to be a head coach in the NFL today uh, at some point. Um, I, I mean, did Baker really become enlightened over the past month on various topics? Or was like, was he simply trying to sound like a responsible guy that another team want is might want as their quarterback? And I think it's the second thing, because like hearing him preach about the dangers of social media and spending a lot of time on it was something. Um, like nobody talked to him about that when he was a rookie. No, he didn't realize that after his first year in the NFL, after his second year in the NFL, after his third or fourth go around with Colin Cowherd, like. Uh, and he talked about the challenge of motivating players who are in it for the money. And he described that as a new challenge. 
did he just recently realize that there are players in the NFL who are in it for the money four years into his career? Like, is this a new phenomenon for him? So just a lot of confusion um, when he talked about those players, like having to motivate those players. Who was he talking about when he talked about players not liking him and having to deal with that? Who was he talking about? So, yeah, just a lot of questions and confusion. And I think really the, the over the umbrella over all of it is, is why, other than maybe this is your buddy, why do you do this podcast? Doug, I, I think what you might find as you go through this and, and hear us talk about it is that there wasn't really a lot new here. There was, there was him talking about how he felt when the Browns officially moved on from him. Like that's new because we haven't heard that. But as far as, I, I guess to me, like, I just didn't hear a very different Baker. I mean, I know he acknowledged the social media stuff and blocking out the noise, but I feel like we've had that press conference before. I feel like yeah. we've had these like, well, I'm going to do it this way now. You know, I thought he was very different in 2020 in his approach, um, but I don't know. I, I didn't hear if he was kind of trying to sell himself as like a different Baker. I didn't hear that. I mean, Maybe somebody will disagree, but I, I heard kind of Baker just sort of being the Baker we know. Do you, I mean, do you agree, Mary Kay? Is it, did you hear kind of the Baker that we've known for the last yes. however many years? Yes, yes. And it brought to mind, Dan, uh, something that occurred on the uh, Joe Thomas podcast that he did with us. And this, it, it, this just really stood out to me that Joe Thomas said that he reached out to Baker Mayfield when, when he was a rookie tried to welcome him to the team and, uh, you know, and just lend a hand and just tried to establish a connection. And Baker really didn't take him up on that. And I thought that was very, very significant. Uh, so that coupled with the fact that Baker said some things on this podcast, that if I were the new football team uh, that was thinking about trading for him, uh, it may have confirmed in my mind that he still does maybe have a little bit of growing up to do that. He still has some things that he's going to need uh, to work on a little bit. You can't at this point, let the booing get to you. You're going to get booed. You can't let social media get to you. Uh, you've got to find a way to manage those things, especially when you're heading into your fifth year. Uh, so I still think he has a, a few issues he, he needs to work through. And, you know, are you disrespected? Or did the Browns want a better quarterback, right? I mean, maybe it's the latter. I want to start. I want to start a side business where I advise pro athletes on how to deal with social media criticism. I feel like as a member of the media, I'm uniquely qualified to oh. help people navigate that. I, sure. Just a small fee. I mean, it'll be small to them, and it'll probably be big to me. But I'm willing to do that. And uh, just you know, DM me. I'm I'm up for it. Sure. We're not going to lose you at cleveland.com with your new business, are we? It depends on how many clients I get. Oh my gosh. Every time we, every time Scott does an interview now, like training camp or something, I'm going to see him like handing a card over to like whatever he's talking Exactly. To. Hey, call me. Going. I can help you. <laughs> so can I ask that? I, I have an overarching question to ask. And I have, a, I have a theory, first of all. So what is, to me, one of the major complaints that fans have about athletes in the modern era is that it is only a business to them, that maybe they are only in it for the money, that they change teams all the time, that they're not that invested 
in their fan base and who they play for, that it's just a check. And I think there are guys like that, right? I mean, we know there are some athletes like that. And I think fans don't like that. Fans want athletes who will live and die for their team. They want athletes who seem to care as much as they do. So it feels like to me, some expression of this, of Baker Mayfield, is exactly what fans want. He feels disrespected because he doesn't only see it as a business. He doesn't only think, oh, well, he's got a better quarterback. What are you going to do? He's like, I'm your guy. What are you doing? Because he takes it personally. And I do think there's a version of that with Baker Mayfield. That's what he was when he got here, right? I think there's a version of that. If he can twist it like maybe 30%, I think it can be really effective. You have to don't let the booze and the social media criticism get to you, but take it personally and then go to your next team and throw yourself into them and play better. It's, It's about playing better. But a lot of, I think the worst of Baker is also the best of Baker, but this is what happens when you have an athlete who takes it personally And it doesn't work out. It's not just a business. And it feels like there's a lot of expressing of that to him that I don't think we'd hear that from a lot of guys because I'm not sure most guys view it like this. So, Doug, like it is interesting that you bring that up, because in if you do go and listen to his full interview, at one point they are kind of talking about, you know, obviously Baker has become known for having this chip on his shoulder and taking things personally. And we've talked about flag planning Baker plenty on this podcast And he does kind of talk about how he thinks he does need to switch that up a little bit going forward, how he does think maybe he needs to hone that a little bit better and how it looks different for every single guy. Like, I think he used the examples of like Kobe Bryant versus LeBron James, like those motivation tactics are very different. Like the way Kobe Bryant motivated teammates by screaming at them is totally different than the way LeBron James does it. I do think there is some truth to that. And I do kind of agree with you because I think a lot of the time, when we have talked about Baker Mayfield with this recently, it's the rabbit ears thing. And that's what it, it's just, you can't do that. You can't let it eat away at you to the point that it's becoming unhelpful as opposed to motivating. And I do think it's interesting that again, he's at least claiming that he recognizes it, but it's like, okay, are you actually going to go out and behave differently next year? Or are you just saying that again, to try to make yourself more attractive to another team right now? A lot of things that he said uh, in the interview, it sounded a lot like what most players say in the offseason. I know the things that went wrong last year. I'm going to correct them. I'm going to be better. Um, I, you know, there's that enlightened point during the offseason, all through training camp. Everybody talks about, you know, how they're motivated to, to do this or that and how they're going to how they're going to be better at whatever it is they do. And um, that's where he is right now. But I think that the tell will be when he actually does get back on the field and he's in those situations again, how does he react to him at that point? And, you know, the thing that stood out to me about uh, the topic that, that we're on right now with him feeling that perhaps not everybody wanted to win in the way that, that he did and that some guys were just in it for the money. It's I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think of like, who's he talking about? Like, yeah. who is he talking about? Because Miles Garrett certainly wants to win. Denzel Ward certainly wants to win. We know new guys like JJ3 comes in here and he wants to win. Uh, the, the young guys, Greg Newsom, JOK, those are terrific guys who are Nick all about Chubb. the ball. Nick Chubb. Yeah, go to the offensive side of the ball. Jarvis Landry, right? Well, Odell was crying after the Super Bowl. It seemed like he really wanted to win. Yeah, I mean, so I, I don't know who he could be talking about. 
Austin Hooper. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say Austin Hooper. I, I, I just want to say, like, this is, I don't know, maybe this is an aside, but I, I feel like there's a disconnect, and, and I think you could probably say this for a lot of athletes. I think there's a disconnect between how Baker sees himself right now and how the rest of the league sees him. I still think he sees himself as like number one pick franchise quarterback. I'm going to go win Super Bowls. And I think we're clearly seeing that the rest of the league does not see him like that. And also like it drives me absolutely crazy when people invoke Kobe Bryant or LeBron yeah. or Michael Jordan. Like, dude, you're not, you're not that guy. You but aren't not Aaron Rodgers can say that Tom Brady doesn't need to say that. Cause he's Tom Brady. Like Kobe Bryant. If, if you've never read Three Ring Circus by uh, Jeff Perlman, it's a great book about the Lakers in that early Kobe Shaq era. People hated Kobe because he wasn't like he was good right away, but he wasn't Kobe yet. You got to kind of earn that to actually be able to get away with the stuff Kobe got away with as a teammate. And Baker never did that. Like he never earned that to to act like those guys. So I, I don't know. I, I just it kind of I, I think that is partially like the disconnect with how Baker still sees himself, which I understand all these guys, it takes a certain something to get to the NFL and get to this level. But I, I don't know that he necessarily sees himself differently than he did the day he showed up in Berea. I do think it doesn't bother me that he sees himself that way, because I think like you almost have to be a little bit yeah. crazy. Like I don't have another word. You almost have to be a little bit crazy to succeed in the NFL. Like just the odds of making it there, right. To have a successful career, um, I, I understand why he sees himself that way, but to your point, Dan, like, I agree. I don't think he earned, he, the way he acts sometimes comes off, I think is really abrasive. And when you hear about people in the locker room, there being a disconnect when he's coming out after the game and criticizing Kevin Stefanski for offensive issues, when he's not completing passes and doing basic things and processing the game correctly, then I think, yeah, you're going to rub people the wrong way. So it's not so much for me about, oh, he shouldn't view himself like that. Like, I don't really care how he views himself, but it's how he's acting outwardly because of the way he views himself. He has to hone it in, I think, a little bit. And I'm curious to see if he can do that. You know, hey, since, one I, of the, since oh, I didn't ahead. listen, can I just ask real quick, did they yeah. ask him why he didn't throw to the open guys last year? No. <laughs> it never not, came out. Never came up, out. Just, I thought I'd ask. Surprisingly. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, the thing about the thing about Baker is there is a side to Baker that I think is so incredibly likable. And I really, truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. I think he's funny. I like I love the commercials. I think the commercials are fantastic. I think he's I think he's great in those. Uh, I think that a, a lot of his teammates, or at least up until things got weird this year, seemed to really like him a ton. So I, I don't know. We haven't really had a chance to, you know, to, to talk to too many guys since last year ended. Um, but there are so many things about him and you could even see that in this podcast that he's just a, you know, he's like a dude that wants to, you know, like sit on a couch with a, with a funny dog and say funny stuff with his like Travis friend, you know? Uh, and I think that he resonated with the young Browns fan because of that. I mean, the, you know, the, the beer, what do you, what, what is that when you beer shoot chugging. the beer? Yeah, the beer chugging. Yeah, when he shot yeah, shot the beer gun. game. Shotgunning the beer. Oh, you uh, know exactly what it is. Come on, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I couldn't think of the name of it right at the moment. It's been a little while since I've shotgunned a beer. Okay. Um, 
That's but a anyways, podcast. That's so, a summer podcast when we're looking for yeah, that's another podcast. That Mary Kay shotguns a beer live on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, so yeah, that would be a whole series actually, but anyways, <laughs> so there, you know, he was so likable and he could have owned, he really could have owned this town and he did for a while. And I actually, I said this to somebody yesterday, I feel bad about the way that it ended for Baker here. And it might sound funny for me to say that uh, because people must assume that I completely 100% disliked him. I've said this before on this pod. I think he's likable. I think he's funny. I would have liked to have gotten to know him better. I wish he would have given us a chance, um, you know, so that we could have tried to show, you know, more of his personality and who he was and take up for him at times when he maybe was misunderstood. Uh, So I do feel bad about the way things ended with him in Cleveland. But I mean, what that boils down to is just, is that they had an opportunity to get a much better quarterback. And that's just, that's the way that this is a business. Uh, And, you know, I don't think it was because, you know, because he stalked off the field after the, the Detroit game or because of anything else having to do with his personality. I think it was like Doug just mentioned, like, why didn't you throw the ball to the open man? And when you did, why didn't it get there? So I think it's more than more that than anything. And I do think we're not here to like pile on Baker. He did like a goofy podcast. It's funny, right? He said he's going to go boot people in his cubicle. That's like a funny thing to say. We can make fun of that. I do think in the end, probably it's as simple as Baker's personality is really effective and likable when he's playing well. And Mm -hmm. when he's not playing well, it's not. And he had kind of never not played well before. Because yeah. he played well as a walk-on at Texas Tech, and then he got to Oklahoma, and he was awesome right away. And then he was the number one pick, and he had a great – he set rookie records. And then the first year kind of went sideways was 2019, and then I think he was kind of – and then, like, 2020, it's like, ah, hey, Baker, like you are saying, Scott. He was kind of like, hey, here. yo, I'm Baker, I'm cool. And then it went sideways again. So – I mean, who among us? I mean, that's that's a very common personality trait. When things are going well, you're like, but he couldn't fight through it. And if you're going to succeed in the NFL, Dan, like, so if you're going to be a, a franchise quarterback for somebody now, you're not going to go 12 and five every year. So when things are going poorly, and if you're the face of the franchise, you can't be rubbing everybody the wrong way while you're losing. You've got to elevate everybody in the midst of losing. And I think you didn't know if Baker Mayfield would be able to do that. And I think from what we saw in Cleveland, it, it wasn't great, right? The way he sort of acted while he was playing poorly made it worse instead of trying to make it better. And if he's going to have a long career in the NFL, he's going to have to fight through that because you're not going to be awesome all the time. Also felt like with this podcast, there was a little bit of a like read the room moment. Like I, I feel like the narrative on Baker I honestly feel like the narrative on Baker in Cleveland has shifted too far to the other side mm-hmm. and, and maybe just the entire football landscape. I think it's shifted from last year. We're talking ourselves into, Oh, could this guy be the quarterback long-term? And now this year it's like, Oh, this guy was the worst quarterback in the NFL. I, I don't think he's the worst quarterback in the NFL. I, I mean, if we went through all 32 starters, I'm sure there'd be plenty of people where if we just lined them up side by side, we'd say, yeah, I'll take Baker over that guy. I'll take Baker over that guy. Maybe that list 
is 20 long ahead of him. Maybe it's 23, whatever it is. I mean, we did a quarterback draft. I don't remember where we took him. But I feel like that narrative has shifted. But I I don't know if Baker feels like people are going to like defend him if he does a podcast like this. Maybe it was just, hey, you're my buddy. We're neighbors. Let's do a podcast together. But I, I, I mean, I guess, Scott, you touched on this. I mean, like, why, what was the point? Why did you, why did you need to do this? I, I feel like there have been a couple times that that letter after the Deshaun thing, right? When we found out about the meeting, I think if, you know, Mary Kay, the clickbait thing, I think he felt in those moments, like a bunch of people were going to have his back and defend him. And it didn't happen. And that this podcast isn't quite as abrasive as those other things, but it feels a little bit like, Hey man, just read the room. Just maybe lay low until you end up someplace else. That's the thing for me. And you know, we, on this podcast, he brought up that when he went on his social media hiatus, he actually had his marketing guy change his passwords and delete all of the apps off his phone so he couldn't go on them. But then when the Deshaun Watson thing happened, he just still couldn't help himself. And like I've been saying, you know, I think regardless of what happens with Baker, there is some credit he gets just like there's some credit Jarvis Landry will always get for changing the culture and helping to, to do those things, those intangible things, regardless of how it ended for him. But that other stuff, it's like, just sometimes I just feel like he can't help himself. And then it becomes more ammunition for the people who question his maturity and all those things to just, it just piles up. And I don't know if this podcast is necessarily that as much as like that letter was or the clickbait tweet about Mary Kay was, but I I do think it's always, it's just been that lingering question that he hasn't been able to put a stop to. I mean, he had to know, Again, going back to you, Jackson, like you have to know that this won't go unnoticed, that, you know, people, Browns fans and media are going to listen to it. National media is going to listen to it and there's going to be reactions. So you, you probably want to factor that in and think about what those reactions might be. What am I going to get out of this? So I, who knows how he feels at the end of the day about how it went or, or, or how people are taking it. Um, as far as the shift goes, like how we feel about Baker now versus then. Yeah, there's there's a definite like outsider perspective on Baker after 2020 versus Baker now. Um, and it has been a dramatic shift. And remember, it wasn't us in the media or the fans or the national media who decided to go get another quarterback or even look into other possibilities. It was the Browns. They were there in 2020. They watched him perform in 2020 and they watched him perform last year. So clearly it wasn't a situation where they felt uh, maybe it was just inconsistency or they felt like, yeah, he's just not going to be healthy enough to be the guy we want wanted to be. They know what he, they wanted him to do versus what he did. And whatever happened in 2020 clearly wasn't enough to make them want to move forward because again, he did not get an extension after that. Um, and he went and played through all of 2020 and, and after the season, they did not feel that a healthy Baker Mayfield, even say he got back to 2020 levels, was going to be enough because, again, they went out and got someone else. So we can look at things from the outside, um, but we don't obviously have the whole story on every single play and every single game plan and how they wanted him to perform. Um, so while it might seem like a wild shift from our perspective, it might not have been as, as big of a shift for the people uh, in Berea. And I think you always have to remember too, that they're in that building every day. Like, like, it's not even just like seeing things, the play that was called, or, I mean, they, 
in every sport with every player, they see everything. I mean, they see stuff we'll never know. Like they are in that building with these players every day. It's sort of like, you know, if you, if you follow baseball, you know, people will be like, oh, why, why isn't this guy playing more? You know, why this guy, every time he plays, he hits a double. Why isn't he playing more? Well, sometimes it's like the manager just sees stuff behind the scenes that he knows, like this guy's not ready. And I think that's like that in all sports and especially in football where it's like they see what's happening behind the scenes every single day. So they know these guys way more than we ever will. And, yeah. and one, of, one of the other things, too, about um, Baker when he was talking about, you know, the ups and downs and uh, going through all the head coaches and the coordinators that he's been through. Well, Derek Carr has actually been through uh, more than Baker Mayfield has. And somehow he persevered through all of that and parlayed it into he's now a 40 million dollar man and you know he overcame a ton of adversity even just last year alone that doesn't count all the head coaching changes that came before that and all the dysfunction that came before that and I've never once heard Derek Carr use any of that as an excuse whatsoever and that's the kind of stuff that you have to deal with. Uh, being a quarterback in the NFL is about mental toughness and overcoming adversity. And you hit on a great point earlier, Doug. He never really had to endure adversity in his college career. He, he walks on and everything's great. And he proves to everyone he's the number one overall pick and he wins the Heisman. And it's lovely. Then he goes in his rookie year. What happens his rookie year? He picks up right where he left off. 27 touchdowns set the record. Um, so adversity reveals the man and he didn't necessarily handle his adversity well enough in the two years where things were not going his way. And that is what he's going to have to learn how to do from here on out, because he will soon find that not every team is going to have that kind of an offensive line and not every football team is going to have that running game. And this is why he wants, wanted to go to the Colts because they do have that offensive line and they do have that running game and they do have that defense, but not everybody does. And chances are that he might go to a team that's sort of in a little bit more of a, a rebuilding mode. And it's not going to be easy, probably. So this is where he's going to have to dig deep and find it within himself to overcome adversity and not make excuses. And what he had to deal with here, everybody knew. I feel like every story we ever wrote, it was like Baker Mayfield, comma, who's had four head coaches and as many offensive coordinators and has never, right? Everybody knows that. It's not like, oh, well, it's like, yeah, we know. It was hard. You yeah. kind of got screwed up along the way. It wasn't your fault that all these guys came in and out and you had to fight through that. And he, we like everybody, every fan, he got credit for that. So mm -hmm. to be like, to have to like bring that up. It's like, what do you... we know, we know life is hard. So right. th that part of it too, it's not like nobody had any illusions about what his situation was here. And I remember, you know, when he had the off year and year two, there's lots of quarterbacks. I did a lot of research on really good quarterbacks who had a good rookie year. And then like in year two or three, they had a rough year. Brett Favre at the top of that list. It feels like the league's catching up to him a little bit. But then the great ones, because that's who the reference point is. I, I didn't look at the guys who failed. 
the great ones, they they have that second step, Mary Kay, right? Where I'm sure you've seen it a million times. A lot of great young players. You're great, the league figures you out, and then what? And the great quarterbacks figure that out. So even the rough year and year two, it's like, all right, we get it. We're in Freddie Kitchen stuff. It's normal. It's very, very possible he's going to bounce back and have this second wave now. And then he did, and then he didn't. So again, this is... If, if he doesn't think that people understood his circumstances, we understood it completely. He just got hurt last year and then he didn't play very well. That's all, really. That's all. Right. And you can look at it from the other side, too. He had three different head coaches and nothing stuck. Um, and now he's the one leaving. You know, you had three opportunities to kind of make something work. Prove that you were the right guy in the right offense with the right, right system. Um, he's had, you know, different groupings of players around him, but nothing, nothing quite stuck. Mm -hmm. And I want to add something else real quick that, that has come to my mind here. And that is the fact that Baker is saying that he feels disrespected by the, by the Browns. Well, I can honestly say I've covered a lot of quarterbacks in my years, in all my years, as Art Modell used <laughs> to say. And, um, and I haven't heard very many of them criticize the head coach. I haven't heard it. I have not heard it. There's a, I mean, now Bernie had things that he, he used to say back in the day, but that was a long time ago. And that, that was Bernie, but the other 25 that have come through here, um, nobody says, Hey, you know, this is the NFL. Why didn't we give some chipping help to James Hudson? Hey, we got too conservative in that game. We won it, but we got too conservative. We shouldn't have done that. So if you want to talk about disrespect, you cannot go around criticizing your head coach and his play calling. You can't do that. You can't do that and expect to be the guy the next year. It's just, I think that was a factor. I, I think that at least it went into the hopper. Yeah, I mean that stuff has to stay behind closed doors. I mean, I mean, I'm like I'm sure those meeting rooms are I'm sure stuff like that gets said all the time, right? I mean, there's good teams are critical in those situations. I mean, Bill Belichick, they watch film as a team and guys get just called out in front of the whole team like on on Mondays after games. You know, and I'm I'm sure like the Baker can say that stuff in a film session. You can't sit there on a Zoom when you just lost to the Steelers and you're in the midst of the worst season of your career and, and say that stuff. And then guess what, Baker, we live in the social media age. Now there's screenshots coming out of you staring at guys wide open in a perfect pocket. And it's, it's funny too, because, you know, obviously Baker wasn't the only player to publicly criticize the way things were going this year. Miles Garrett also Miles did it did. after that Patriots game, right? When, when he came out and said, that Joe Woods did not make adjustments, that they couldn't stop them from scoring. And JJ3 did a little bit too, saying it was like they watched film and, and just ran everything the Browns had trouble with. But I think the difference with Miles, and I, we've had this discussion, you know, kind of a little bit already on this podcast, is I think the way Miles played this year, he maybe earns that a little bit more and earns that leadership role a little bit more, given what he does on the field. Um, and what he means to this team. So I think it just is, we, we saw other people do it. And, and again, we didn't see Miles really do it again in terms of the coaching staff. Like he called out teammates after the bye week to kind of get people pumped up. The way he did it was just different. I think if you compare those two, 
So it is interesting to kind of see it done two different ways on the same team. I think when, I you, know. when you are playing at a high standard, then I think it's easier to demand other people reach that standard. When you're not playing well, then to just say that other people are screwing up, it's like, what are we talking about, right? So the Miles, again, maybe Mary Kay, I think you would say you've seen lots of great players who don't say that either, maybe, but just the idea that there is a difference. You better be taking care of your business if you're going to call out somebody else's business. Yes, absolutely, 100%. And, I mean, I have to stick to what I said after after that game when Miles did criticize Joe Woods. I, I don't think that's a, a good choice for a player to criticize a defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, head coach. I just don't think it's a wise and smart choice. But certainly to ask you to tell your teammates to step it up uh, mm-hmm. as, as well as yourself. And he had to amend that a little bit. Um, but I mean, th- that's fine. And I do think that uh, when you're playing really, really well, you can do that. You can grab everybody else by the scruff of the neck and say, you know, let's give a little bit more here. So yeah, he can do that. Once again, I still don't love the, you know, the, the coordinator thing, but that, you know, that's part of Miles's MO. He's been doing that for a long time, right, Dan? I mean, you and I have talked about this. Um, he, he has that in him and, you know, I, I wonder over the years if he'll, if he'll continue to do it or if he will decide that, that maybe that isn't the best choice for him. Yeah. I mean, and Miles is like indispensable, you know, right. Like, right. like they're, they're not going out and looking to upgrade a defensive end. They got their guy. Can uh, you imagine, can... <laughs> uh, you know, if we can, if we can upgrade a defensive end, it's like, what? We'll upgrade? See. what? Yeah. Well, into, I mean, just after that happened to, to Mary Kay's point about, you know, maybe it still isn't the best thing to criticize a coordinator that next week, you know, they came out, Kevin Stefanski came out, Miles Garrett came out, they, Joe Woods came out. And they all said they talked about it behind closed doors and they left it at that. It was like it, it happened, but it got resolved. And I feel like with the Baker stuff, obviously, it kind of just became this elephant in the room that we're still talking about, you know, three months after the season ended. Okay, so <laughs> Baker is still a member of the Cleveland Browns. They're opening their offseason program next week on. I forgot Tuesday. that. I forgot. <laughs> He's still a Brown. So funny. He's, he's going to go. From office to office in downtown Cleveland and boo people. <laughs> um, by the way, I, I mean, just <laughs> but before I get, I get to this, was there any moment in this podcast where, where it was just like, why did he say that? I can't believe he said that. Like a bizarre moment, not like something heavy. Or I'm, that, that was the one that kind of got me like, really, Baker? And he kind of, the quote that was going around social media, he kind of backed off and he kind of said, like, I know I shouldn't say that or, or something yeah. like that. It was a little softer. I had seen it on Twitter before I actually heard it on the podcast. Um, the way he kind of hedged it was a little bit softer. But but that was kind of a moment that stood out to me that was like, OK, all right. Well, Good the job, first <laughs> it, that was also my moment. And I agree with you because I saw the clip on Twitter yeah. first and then I listened to it. And the context of it was, you know, like for some guys this truly is their livelihood. Like some guys in the NFL live paycheck to paycheck. They don't have long careers, but then he made that weird transition into what if I would, how would people feel if I went to their cubicles <laughs> and booed them? And all I could think of is has Baker Mayfield ever seen Seinfeld? And did he see that <laughs> Seinfeld when Jerry goes to Elaine's friend's office and heckles her after she heckled him at one of his stand-up shows? Like does Baker Mayfield know what Seinfeld is, is what I want to know now at this point. <laughs> I'm I mean, guessing that, yes. <laughs> I know he loves his pop culture references, but they're not 
no offense, they're just not very good pop culture references to me. I don't know if this would be too much of a deep cut for him if he's seen this. I mean, the weird moment for me just goes back to the thing I said off the top. Like, did, did he just four years in realize there are guys playing in the league who are in it for the money? Like, <laughs> yeah, him saying that it's now like where he's at now. It's just, I think he, I don't know if he said new, but he insinuated that it was a new challenge for him to try to figure out how to motivate these people. If only, if only there were people who had been in his exact position and had that same kind of job that he could talk to. I bet there's some people like that. Why don't maybe give Aaron Rodgers a call? I don't know. Give Tom Brady a call. I'm sure they've had to deal with that. I just, I don't know. I just, I heard that and I'm like, what are you talking about? I, and then obviously it went to something Mary Casey, like who, who are those people on this team? I'm sure there are people on the team right now wondering, did he think I'm one of those people? I, I don't know. I, I, clearly there are people in the league who are in it because they're trying to make money and winning isn't the most important thing. That's why guys go to really bad teams for huge contracts. Um, everybody knows that, but I don't know. I just came away thinking that was just a bizarre thing to get into and, and talk about how this was a challenge for you now. Especially when he's, I mean, he's got 18 million guaranteed coming his way. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's not, it's not a comparison to like, James Burgess, who like, you know, some old Browns linebacker that was just trying to make a team and, you know, get a, get a game check four or five times in a season. Um, okay. So as Doug just, just remembered, Baker Mayfield is still on the Cleveland Browns. I, you know, Mary Kate, you and I talked about this earlier in the week, a little bit, I, I am in the camp. And if the Browns end up getting some first or second round pick for him and five months, I guess people can play this back and laugh at me, but I'm in the camp of like, just, just do it. Just get him out of here. Just take what you need to take, pay what you need to pay. Just close, close the book on this. Just end this thing. And again, there was nothing in this podcast that was like shocking or abrasive or something, anything we haven't heard before, but I, I don't know. It just felt like a reminder of like, do you really want to deal with this stuff? Cause I'm sure Look, Kevin's going to get asked about this next week, and we know he's going to handle it just fine and give us a non-answer. And the guys aren't going to guys aren't going to want to be asked about stuff like this for the next few months if if the stuff keeps popping up from Baker and he's still on the team. But it's going to happen. So I'm fully in the camp of just like close the book, get it over with. It does like it doesn't matter. Just end it. Well, it's funny that you should say that, Dan, because I would that is the exact column that I was planning to write today. Well, you can just um, transcribe what I just said if you want. I know, before the pod dropped. Uh, that's, that's what I was going to, uh, that's what I was going, going to write because that's how I feel. I feel like sometimes there's the law of diminishing returns. And I know that Andrew Berry had to say what he had to say because you don't want to send the message to the rest of the NFL. Hey, we really don't want this guy anymore. So, you know, I mean, you're not going to help yourself by doing that. You have to make it seem like you're willing to keep him uh, to try to drive that market a little bit. But, um, but yeah, I'm at the point where I would pretty much do anything to, to move on and close the book on, on the Baker Mayfield era. And uh, I mean, they've got bigger fish to fry right now. They don't need this too. Yeah. I think you go, you do what you can you try to get something done before the draft. If nothing happens at that point, you, you, you release him, you know, the day after the draft ends, I, I, there's probably no way you're going to get out of paying that 18 million. Um, even if you do swing a trade, 
you know, they're it, likely a team is going to want the Browns to pay a substantial portion of that. Um, so yeah, I think it's on the books already. You're working around it already. So yeah, day after the draft, cut, cut bait and, and move on. Yeah. I just think the sooner, the better, especially when you're talking about a team who we heard over and over again about just like this disconnect. Like it's almost like players couldn't put their finger on it a lot of times, but especially a disconnect between the offense and the defense coupled with all of now the off field Deshaun Watson things that you have to deal with. I just think there are landmines of distraction everywhere for this locker room potentially right now. And if you keep Baker Mayfield on this roster of kind of like Mary Kay alluded to already, it, it just is one more thing. It's one more thing for everyone to have to worry about, to answer questions about, and it's just time. I do think all of that makes sense. Um, I do want to note the thing you said, Dan, that Baker says something about the coach's responsibility for locker room chemistry, oh, yeah. right? I do think that's worth tracking because it felt like this locker room wasn't great last year. And I do think Kevin Stefanski probably has some things he can learn and get better at. So I think sometimes it's like, all right, maybe it's not the, the best messenger, but the, there might be something to the message. So I think that's worth paying attention to. The other thing about this is there was a guy whose name came up a lot when the Browns were getting ready to draft Baker Mayfield in 2018. And I certainly was among the people who pushed back very, very, very hard on that comparison because I thought it wasn't fair and I thought it wasn't right. And I thought Baker Mayfield was a much better player. But the more the end of the Baker Mayfield era turns into a circus, the more this feels a little bit like Johnny Manziel. And everybody who made a Johnny Manziel comparison in 2018, which I thought was crazy, and I thought, I mean, Johnny Manziel's Baker's like a flight of Vegas in the middle of a week, right? <laughs> like this is, it's not that yet, but couldn't you see Johnny Manziel doing a podcast with his dog on the couch for 90 minutes talking about being disrespected? I'm just saying for his own good, right? Don't, he has a legacy here. Baker really does. He won here. He did important things for the Browns to help. He turns out, that you're not the savior, you're the transition. But you had you when you got here, it was pretty rough. So there are a lot of things that he deserves credit for. I hope he doesn't unnecessarily torch his Cleveland legacy mm-hmm. anymore. Not that this podcast did that, but you know, at some point, just everybody, which is what you guys are saying, just move on. Thank everybody for the four years you had together and get to the next thing. Because Baker hanging around and doing a little more of this isn't going to serve anybody. I think the, the, the low point or the, like Johnny Manziel is the bar down here. Right. And then the halfway point, I think is Hugh Jackson and Baker is like, he's not, he hasn't fallen to the Hugh Jackson level yet, but he's, he's closer to that than he is obviously to the top. But I think that's where, like, those are the two, those are the the, the posts here that you're kind of, that you're kind of comparing him to. And I think a few more, a few more interviews or things like this, where, where he talks a lot about things that has happened in the past, he's going to get closer to that, to that Hugh Jackson level. Yeah. D- Doug, it's funny you said that because I had that thought and I actually just didn't want to say it on this podcast. So I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because while I was listening to this interview and seeing screenshots and you, the YouTube videos, this did feel like 
interviews and podcasts I've seen Johnny Manziel do, right? Like where he's just sitting there with one of his buddies and they're doing a podcast and he just sort of, you know, flippantly talks about something with the Browns. You know, that this felt like a Johnny Manziel type of, I don't, maybe moments are wrong, but it felt very Johnny Manziel to me. The, the, that's what this felt like. And it felt very. You know what? If, if you rewind to like number 77, you can go find Johnny Manziel on the YNK podcast. There, there you go. Oh my gosh. He, he did this very podcast. Mm. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's a little bit more to that than, than meets the eye, but yeah, it did. It, it did have a little bit of that, that feel to it. I think that, I think he could have maybe taken a little bit of a higher road and not, not done the whole, I felt disrespected and, I think they felt a little disrespected too. Here's the thing. It's like, you don't have to say anything if you're Baker Mayfield in this situation. And I think he needs to understand it would almost be better. I think right now, while they're trying to find a spot for him, if he doesn't say anything, I I just really think it was so unnecessary. This, the letter on Twitter. I mean, obviously that week we were all, you know, all the jokes on Twitter about where's Matt Ryan's letter since they're going to talk to Deshaun Watson, you know, it just, there is power in silence and I wish he would, he would take it. I mean, think about this for a second. When they come back to him and say, Hey, we, yeah, we, yeah, we went to Houston. We talked to Deshaun. Things aren't working out. You're our guy for 2022. He asked to be traded right after that, after that. So who's disrespected the team that has your rights and that is about to pay you $18.9 million next year to come back and show us what you got and go out there and prove that you are that walk on dude that can go move mountains again, asked to be traded, asked to be traded. Yeah, because if Deshaun Watson doesn't come here, it's Marcus Mariota, right? If he picks the Falcons, that's what that's probably what you're left with. It's Marcus Mariota or Baker Mayfield. And I gotta think you're choosing Baker Mayfield in that situation. You're gonna ride out the rest of this contract. So that that is true. But I think everybody Baker, and who knows what what he was thinking, but I think everybody wants to be Aaron Rodgers. Everybody wants to be able to go to a podcast, say whatever you want, criticize your team. And at the end of the day, go out and win MVP and get paid big time, right? That's what they all want. That's like, this is like a poor man's version of that in a way, this, this kind of thing. Um, not everybody's Aaron Rodgers. Not everybody has earned that. Um, not everybody's earned the right to say they've been disrespected or, you know, not everybody's earned the right to criticize their team. And again, to, to, to criticize society in general, and then go out and, and be an MVP and, and get a huge contract. It's, it's very rare, but I think uh, that's what a lot, of, a lot of people wish they could be. And there is the business side of this, as we all know. I'm, I never want to argue for silence from sports figures because I want them to talk, so we have stuff to write and talk about. So yap it up, everybody. Spill your <laughs> secrets. Complain. Great. It's up to them. They can do whatever they want. But again, for instance, Sashi Brown got fired has never said anything. Freddie Kitchens got fired, has never said anything. Hugh Jackson got fired, has said many things, and I don't know that he's helped himself in that process, right? That sometimes, Ashley, what you said, there's power in silence. It's a tough world, man. And there are, the thing is, Baker does have a lot of people on his side. There are people listening to this podcast who listen to the Baker podcast and loved it. 
I know that. But at some point, just sort of let your performance do the talking. And if your performance wasn't up to snuff, then move on and try to be better. It's it's almost for his own good, right? Because because there's a lot of good to remember about Baker. And so it will be, it's nice if just we can all still do that to a pretty good degree. I, I will say one thing, just, just to say it. And Andrew has admitted this, the Browns didn't exactly handle this situation perfectly, you know, and, and that certainly rubbed Baker the wrong way. And Andrew admitted as much. I, I think he, it was at the owner's meetings when he kind of admitted that like, you know, we, we should have informed them we were going to, it didn't happen. It got out. That's a little bit of a cop out, you know, news is going to break in the NFL. That's how it works. You got to stay ahead of it. This isn't the Seahawks cutting Bobby Wagner on Twitter, but like it, the Browns didn't handle it great. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if we're being honest, like they got a better quarterback out of it and they might win a Super Bowl in the next five years because of it. So if they didn't handle this situation, great, who cares? But at, at least in Baker's defense on that front, they didn't handle at least the beginning of that situation very well. All right. I think that's everything. Uh, we just I would just very quickly like to extend a final invitation. We know there are a lot of Browns podcasts out there. If anybody would like to do a podcast about this podcast, which is about a podcast, then I will I will tweet it. We will tweet and promote your podcast about this podcast. I just want to hear people say, you know, everybody, let's do guys. Let's start with Ashley Bastock. When she said there is power in silence. I thought that was a point. Let's talk about what Ashley had to say there. Oh, I'd be out there. I'd be on my treadmill. I'd listen to that all day. So it's an invitation. Any Browns podcast, feel free. What we need to do is partner with a podcast and they'll do a podcast about this one. And then we'll do one about that. And by the time we get to December, we're just going to spend the first hour saying, here's a podcast about a podcast about a po- just going. That's on. already a thing. It's called an after show. Let's just have an after show, <laughs> hire somebody. And they could talk about what we talked about. There you go. <laughs> you know, I'll also extend an invitation to, uh, you know, look, Baker, I know we told you not to talk, but if you if you're getting oh. the itch to do another <laughs> podcast, like we're here for you, man. Well, you and Mary Kay can talk about the clickbait or Baker's first college roommate. If you're out there listening, hit us up. <laughs> hit us up. We want to talk about playing Minecraft all night. We can all fight over who will write that takeout because it it seems interesting. (laughs) All right. There we go. Our Orange and Brown Talk podcast reacting to the Baker Mayfield podcast. Um, I I will go on record and saying I have already unsubscribed to that podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I never subscribed in the first place. You have to listen to the Johnny Manziel first before you unsubscribe. I I don't. I honestly, no. You don't? You don't need that one? No, okay. that could be the Thursday pod. Yeah, fill me in. Fill me, <laughs> fill me in on that one. All right, for uh, Mary Kay, Scott, Ashley, and Doug, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>